Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 140, Exploring Our Outer Space. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there. Wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. Even if you're not in this world, you are welcome. Because today's podcast is all about outer space, UFOs, connecting to things that are outside our physical knowledge, unidentified. But our heart knows answers. And I want to start this session by saying, Everything that we are discovering about our outer space, things that are unidentified, are actually not there to scare us, but to remind us who we are, to bring us home to who we are, or to expand us to who we are. And I want to cover many different features of what's going to happen over the next few months, next few years, as we make more contact with what we could call star beings, ETs, which are actually the same as our guides, our angels. We just have different names for them. So are you ready to do some exploration? And it's okay if you don't believe there's anything else. But you know, I bet you've spent time looking out into the stars. I bet when you see something like the lunar eclipse we had recently or a beautiful rainbow. When you see something magical, you wonder, you wonder, is there more? Am I more? I defy anybody not to be impressed by a rainbow or something magical happening in the skies and not say, I wonder who I am. I wonder what consciousness is really about. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. Now, first, I want to say, I hope you're enjoying this Mercury retrograde in Gemini until about the 22nd of June. Oh, boy, when Mercury is retrograde in its own sign of Gemini, there may be communication issues. There may be travel issues. There may be problems with your computer. You may find things go awry. Breathe out and remember, ah, yes. This is Mercury retrograde. But at the same time, Mercury retrograde is slowing us down. It's saying, what do we really believe? What do we really know? And it's going along with what happened with the lunar eclipse, where we have this energy square to Neptune saying, okay, what's real? What's not real? Where am I living in a delusion? What do I need to check? in with myself about, it's slowing us down to say, yes, 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 let's get more information. So it's not about more information, and that is truly the same cases I'm going to be talking about when we're looking at UFOs or ETs. It's not about more information. It's processing that information. How is that affecting me? How is that changing my relationship with myself? How is that changing the way I look at my life and the way I look at the world around me? So this is what's happening as Mercury is retrograde and Neptune is square to that Mercury. 
what's true, what's not? Where am I just gathering information but not actually processing it, sitting with it, sitting in it, <laughs> meditating on it, whatever you like to do. And at the same time, we're moving closer to our second Saturn-Uranus square transit. And the first one was in February, and that's when both of them were, these planets were moving forward. So the square may not have affected us that much. But when Saturn is going backwards, it's starting to grind us down. Saturn retrograde is like, oh, I can feel everything's a little harder. I thought I was moving forward, but maybe I'm not moving forward. And I think it's almost like a reality check. So Saturn being in Aquarius and Uranus being in Taurus, they're very opposite almost because Uranus in Taurus, Uranus wants to do things differently. But in Taurus, things may be slow and steady. And Saturn can be slow and steady in Aquarius, though it wants to do things. <laughs> so Uranus rules Aquarius. And so there's this, yes, let's do something new. But both Saturn and Taurus are both saying, okay, yes, but let's do it in slowness and let's, you know, let's not rush things too much. And I think it's really telling us to, first of all, Saturn, what still needs to be released that is old energy. And Taurus is about, am I? enjoying myself am i having pleasure is, does this nurture me does it nurture my body does it nurture my soul and it's really bringing us down to earth i think a lot i spend a lot of time out in my garden out in the backyard out in hikes the more we get into the fresh air we know that's healthy for us anyway but really connecting to the earth connecting to the cycles connecting to each other and so as as saturn and uranus get closer and closer together they're going to be together on June the 14th, we may feel that things aren't moving, but I think what things are doing is actually deepening. And, and again, I like the idea of saying, what is the benefit for the next seven generations? Not just let's rush into something and move ahead and let's, let's go slower. And that we could say is very important around things like the vaccines, etc. is let's slow down, let's slow down. Let's not be rushing along. Let's think about the consequences long term. And that's true for everything we're doing. And now let's just move towards our relationship with what we might call extraterrestrials, with things that are unknown. There could be a knee-jerk reaction, as we may be seeing very soon, of, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? That's that's fine. But we must not project onto other species, other civilizations, our own fears, our own doubts, our own challenges. And I was listening to Bashar recently. I listened to him. He's a channeled by Daryl Anker. And one of the questions was, is, you know, where are there other civilizations? Because he's seen as a, a being who exists hundreds, thousands of years ahead of us. Are there other civilizations that are also like us? And his answer was actually, there are very few like you. That humanity or the human race is one of the few civilizations that believes they are oppressed, that believes that there is an enemy, that believes that there isn't enough, there's a lack of something. And that made me really sad that we are living in this 
holographic bubble where we believe that there is only good and bad or good and evil and that other people may want to take something from us or we may need to take something from someone else in order to succeed. And I look around the world and it's so true that that sense of every moment being on the edge of like, what's someone going to take from me? Am I going to be betrayed? Am I going to be let down? Am I going to be disappointed? Who shall I attack before they attack me? Who shall I leave before they leave me? No, I'm very much hoping that isn't your total mechanism that you live your life by. But you know, in many ways, COVID has caused people to become more stressed, more survival-based. And we've forgotten that generosity. Oh, yes, it's there. I see it, the kindness in people, the generosity. But it, it's who we need to be all the time, that space of not distrusting everybody, not looking for someone who's going to take something away from us. And what he says is most civilizations know that there is abundance, not just money abundance, but abundance of energy, abundance of possibilities, abundance of love, abundance of money, abundance of food. And he says, therefore, there's no reason for other civilizations, more evolved civilizations than we are, to come and take anything from us. And so the idea that may be perpetrated in the next few months, even years, that there are beings out there who are wanting to hurt us and we better protect ourselves, it's really just coming from that very limited viewpoint that we have about everything, that there can't be just loving beings who don't want anything from us because that's somewhere inside us has that fear that it's going to happen to us. So I'd like to start with the idea of nobody's trying to oppress us, nobody's going to try and take anything from us, and that any beings who are more evolved than us, and I have to say that doesn't take a lot of effort, really wouldn't want to come and interfere with us or even take anything from us because there's no need to take anything because they have already their abundance. And purely any beings who are coming from other civilizations would only be wanting to remind us of who we are because even though we might talk about ourselves as humans, or humanity, all of us possess knowingness, consciousness that also knows different ways. We know that freedom, we know that abundance. Isn't that true? Somewhere in your heart you say, actually this doesn't have to be like this, but we get caught up in it. And so I want us all to recognize that initially we all came from other places other than this planet and that within our DNA, especially our junk DNA, as I've talked about, 90% of our DNA being called junk DNA, I think 50% of that junk DNA, which is almost like 50% of our own DNA, comes from our star beingness, our otherworldly beingness, our, our cosmic beingness. And it's awakening now, it's being awoken. And we're reminding ourselves, wow, it doesn't have to be like this. And of course, what some of you may be saying is, well, let me leave. <laughs> Beat me up, Scotty. Let me come out of here. But actually, here is not a physical place. Stay with me on this. Here is not a physical place. It's a state of consciousness. It's just the hologram we look into, the bubble of 
of a reality that we keep putting our heads into. So it's not about leaving here and going somewhere else. It's like, it's recognizing we are all somewhere else already. There is only now, there is only here. But when we keep watching the same television program and expecting a different result, that's our problem. That's our sign of stupidity. That it's actually choosing to turn the dial or choosing a different way of thinking or being that allows us to say, well, hang on a minute. When I tap into that rainbow, when I'm meditating, when I'm with my animals, when I'm with friends, I don't feel that fear. I don't feel that distrust. I feel abundant. And so I already know inside me that presence. So all I have to do is choose to live it more consciously. And that will then open more doors for me. That makes sense? So having introduced the subject, and I decided I was going to put that awareness into your minds at the start rather than at the end, because everything that I'm now going to speak about is somewhat of a history lesson. And I wanted to really speak about not history right at, not history right up front, because we can get lost again into information. This is how it is. But I wanted to show you it's just history. It's just a, a television program that we're watching. And at any point, we can choose to turn it off and change it. So let me tell you a bit about my story. So I think I'm going to start with, as a very tiny baby within my cot or crib, I can remember moving along that silver thread that I talked about last time, moving out of my body and going to what I knew were my people. Now, I hadn't got a clue. I couldn't even verbalize what was happening. But I knew that as I was falling asleep, this is where I would travel out of my, along the silver thread to a different state of consciousness, as I described last time, to a higher state of consciousness. Again, not better, but more collective, more unified, more of my own frequency. And then in the morning, I'd be coming back in again. And when I was old enough to tell my mother what was happening, and fortunately, I was brought up in a world of metaphysics and esoteric understanding, she said, well, it sounds as if it's doing you no harm, keep doing it. And I, I probably did. I don't do it now because I'm constantly in contact with this, these beings. And if you ask me, well, who are they? In the very telling you of who they are, I've already limited them. All I know is that they feel loving, kind, resonant with myself and I've trusted them and maybe you've had similar connections and as I say sometimes we call them angels sometimes we call them guides sometimes we call them light beings some of you know you have a connection to Sirius some of you know you have a connection to the Pleiades and Arcturians but I want you to know that when we talk about these particular star systems we're literally talking about the star systems we can see in the night sky, in our galaxy. And if we understand that that's only 3% of our galaxy, and there are billions of galaxies, then we have to understand that you may not even come from, you certainly may not come from this galaxy, you might not even come from this universe. So I don't mind when someone says, oh, I think I have a strong connection to Sirius or Pallades or Arcturians. I can go along with that. I can, can connect to that. 
But remember that as soon as we name something, we also limit our exploration of those outer spaces. So I tend to say, I come from the universe. I come, I'm a universal being. I'm a light being. And leave it at that. Because our little ego wants to attach to something. Oh, can I tell you exactly what I see? And remember, if you do come from somewhere else, it probably doesn't have an atmosphere like we, we do, where we need a nose, a mouth, lungs, eye, two eyes, etc. You may look very different in your star beingness. And you may be almost squeezing yourself into this physical form to be able to survive here. And again, I'm saying it's more like a dressing up clothes, as I've described before. You dressed up, you put on this, these clothes, this is what you're doing this life. But doesn't mean that there isn't an inner beingness, a, a soul, we call it, an inner being, star beingness, a, a consciousness that's waiting to expand, and it's all happening now. So I had that experience as a child. Fortunately, as I say, my parents were very open to different ways of thinking, always said, trust your heart. They didn't judge anything as good or bad. It was almost listen to those people who share something, and then Take that inside, and if it resonates with you, it's good. If not, let it go. It's not bad. It just doesn't resonate. And so in the late 60s, I can remember a young man very keenly coming to speak at our family home in our living room, and he was talking about Eric von Danigan's work. Some of you may have come across his work. And he talks so much about the possibilities that ETs had lived on this planet and maybe was still living on this planet. And so his books helped me to say, yes, there's something else. And I can remember his pictures of the Nazca lines in Peru, in the deserts of Peru, and thinking, wow, were these really runways for UFOs? Were these symbols that were seen only by the shamans who could look down at these symbols and see this? How did they create these massive figures in the desert, which looked like a, a monkey or looked like a bird? How did they do this? And why did they do this? And I got excited. That was in the late 60s. It's not hard to excite me. But around the same time, I was getting in tune with, uh, with stone circles, standing stones. I was very much around my those years, it was a time of great exploration, and my poor mother and father would say, okay, let's go look at another standing stone or stone circle. But what he spoke about was very much about whether the pyramids, for instance, had been built with such precision and alignment to northeast, southwest, to the sun, etc. And had these been built by ETs? And some of you may watch ancient aliens on television and uh, this is something that is always discussed because just to say there are no prototypes of the pyramid it wasn't as if they had many tries at it and then suddenly got it right no there were a few tries and they, then it was perfect and then unable to do it in ever again so what we see is these times where innovative ideas including what we have today suddenly come in, we know how to do it, but then if you ask someone 100 years on, could they build that? They can't. So what he talked about and what many have talked about is many of our sacred sites 
have been designed, created, even, even as I say, laid down the bricks by helpers from others, other systems, other star systems. And I remember being at Newgrange myself, which is a beautiful site there in Ireland. And I was, you know, I've always been able to intuitively pick up on messages. And I was told that many of these sacred sites weren't creative humanity. Of course, we always think they have to be created for us. But no, they were created in order to be able to create energy or connection or communication from heaven to earth and earth to heaven. And what we're seeing is many of the Maya pyramids, for instance, have very specific designs where there's water flowing underneath them, there's crystals within them, they tap into the telluric energy, the dragon energy, and provide energy. And literally these temples, as we think probably is true of the pyramids in Egypt, were literally energy generation sites that may have been used by different uh, UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena as they're now calling them, different machines or, or ability for beings to move from one dimension to another. So an energy source for transformation, for travel, whichever you want. So as I explored these more, I came in touch with the crop formations, mainly they were in the southern area of Britain, but they've been all over the world. And these very exquisite crop formations, crop circles they were originally called, where the beautiful diet designs were laid out. And they were, if you've never seen them, please do look up. They were often four or five tractal, tractor widths apart so they were huge and they had laid down the crop especially when the crop was quite high so they're more common in june july and august and the crop was laid down at the node of the crop so it didn't destroy the crop but beautiful exquisite pictures and you know you might just say oh well i think man made these and now we know that man has made some of these but you can really only get the exquisite nature of these crop formations from above. And so again, this idea of how did they see what they were doing? I mean, if you're trying to bend over a stalk of wheat to create, I don't know, a chessboard effect or a 3D effect, how do you do it on the land and know that what you're doing on the land is going to have this three-dimensional effect from above? So again, I just encourage you, if you've never seen anything out that I'm talking about, look it up. They are exquisite. And even if they are man-made, I want to let someone say, how did you do that? How did you do that? And nobody saw you doing it. Because that's really the feature of many of these crop formations, that they've occurred, and sometimes they've occurred within 20 minutes. So that someone has perhaps taken off in a plane, they weren't there, came back, they were there 20 minutes later. And, you know, there are less of them around now and many of the farmers are now getting rid of them as soon as they appear. But the beauty is, is that they have occurred and really through the 90s, um, certainly up to 2012, they were very prolific. And I was involved in many of the conferences and I enjoyed going to so many of the sites. And again, it was, why are you doing this? What is happening? And my understanding was that these sites, first of all, these, what we saw as a pattern within the crop, 
was actually a three-dimensional pattern. It wasn't just a flat. We often saw them as one would see on a picture, but you have to imagine everything in 3D now, at least 3D. So we, we must stop looking at something on a screen. We need to see it in three dimensions. Maybe that's why virtual reality is so popular. So we saw that happening. And then what we saw was not only were they three-dimensional, they had sound was involved with them, heat was involved with them. And at the same time, it feels to me that they were already in place in the hologram. In other words, as our consciousness expands, we are awakening these images that were already in place in the land. And it said to us, aha, when you or when we reach a certain consciousness, they will awaken and they will then literally stimulate more people to awaken. And that's what's happening now. So symbolism awakens something. We've known that. And these are symbols that we don't need to make sense of them. What we need to do is saying, wow, these are appearing because our consciousness is awakening. And as we awaken, then these symbols appear and then they awaken more people. So our role is to keep that awakening happening. Now, at the same time, we then started to see in the beginning of all of this that they were mutations, they said, mutations of animals. And this is a, an area I just want to tap into, is that over really from the 50s onwards, and here I am living quite close to Roswell, living quite close to a lot of um, secretive UFO sites, that a lot of things have happened since the 1950s and even before probably 1940s, 1950s, where the military have been aware of connections to the UFOs, let's put them there, that there were visitors from outer space. But there's there's been a lot of secretism. There was the Blue Book, there were other things happening. And it's quite hard to get your mind around this because Sometimes you, we will be told, well, we kept it all secretive because we didn't want to upset you. Or did you keep it secretive because people were seeing things and experiencing things, but you didn't want to give a, a, any voice to that? Misinformation, disinformation, or dis, um, uh, misdirection. So there's this belief that we're trying to protect you. We don't want to upset you. But there's also we want to squash anybody who's got any ideas. But at the same time, the third as, you know, axis of this is actually we're going to create some of these unidentified aerial phenomena. We're going to create some of these abductions, uh, or I should say animals that have been uh, affected and we're going to make out that actually all of these, anything that comes towards us, any ETs that come into our world are going to be destructive. That's what I'm trying to say. So the whole theme has been, we must not let the public know that these may be loving beings who are coming to our world. So we'll have a few mutilated animals, we'll have some abductions, we'll have things that will scare people, and we'll come out and say we're, we're helping. So if I listen to someone like Stephen Greer and listen to others, there are UFOs, there are ETs, 
but there's also a lot of misinformation where we are seeing even now evidence being shown on, on mainstream media and they're saying, wow, look at this. We don't have this technology. Where's it coming from? Is it Russia? Is it China? Well, actually, we do have this technology. And so there's also the misinformation to say, no, no, we're, we don't have this technology. We do. We have anti-gravitational technology. We have a lot of this technology. So through all of this, there's some misinformation occurring because this is made man-made UFOs. These are man-made beings. These are man-made problems. And the only reason to do that is to build the narrative that eventually can be said is, I think they're a threat to us. We need to do something about this. Is that understood? So I can't say to you that they're not. I mean, you know, if you want to say, no, no, they're definitely a threat, that's, that's up to you. But what I want to say is, in my mind, in my awareness, that this is coming from a very small, limited place of our belief that someone wants to attack us. And what I want us all to believe, that this is such a small belief that we are being once again focused into fear and distrust and careful, we're protecting you, don't worry, we've got your back. Same with the virus. That I want us to believe that there are thousands of civilizations, beings, who only want the best for us. And in wanting the best for us, they're not coming to protect us. They're not coming to fight the bad guys because it isn't even in their mentality to believe there are bad guys. That makes sense? So please, when you hear this happening, stay in your heart, call on your own star beings and say, I call you in, I invite you to my life. I wish to be part of your life. I wish to know who I am. And I come in peace. I come in love. I see who you are. And I am no threat to you and you are no threat to me. Stephen Greer talks about how we can sit in meditation, open our hearts, open our hearts to a place where we would want to meet someone special. It can be a place, you know, it can be just in your own backyard. It can be in a place of nature. Sometimes I use a as I think I have within the podcast, a beautiful traveling carpet, magic carpet. Take yourself to a place on your magic carpet and meet your star beings. But try not to go there with a, this is what they've got to look like. I would prefer that we just meet a being, a light being. And we just feel it in our heart. We don't visualize it. We just know that we're being met by love. That's a start. And if you wish to ask for a name or you, you wish to see some evidence that the star beings with you, they will give you that. But do it with a place of just knowing there's abundance, there's love, there's no attachment to a result. So this is the world we're now living in. There are beautiful people that have worked with people who have been abducted. Just briefly, there was a stage where there's one group that we've all seen, the greys. They do have these big sort of eyes, oval eyes. 
And their story is that they were like us. And they were very, however, technically advanced on us. And they really could do much more than we could, but they saw that their emotional state was getting in the way. So they genetically engineered out their emotions. But when they did that, they couldn't reproduce. So what happened is that they have been coming into our awareness, coming into and taking people to their own places, and have been removing DNA. And initially, that was a very crude way of approaching us and cause pain to people. So people have stories of being abducted and being hurt and being put in an operating table. But as the greys integrated our DNA with all its emotions, all its creativity, all its confusion, our love, etc., the greys became more like us again. They could reproduce and they therefore don't create the pain and the harm that they have done in the past. And they are producing hybrid children. They are producing children who are partly human, partly star being. It is our future. But there are people like John Mack, who is now, who has passed, and people like Mary Rodwell, who've been helping people who have been abducted, have had experiences, some of those very painful and terrible, and some of them beautiful. So again, open our eyes up to these experiences. But in truth, I want to just finish with saying, it's time for us to remember who we are. It's time for us to expand our consciousness. And this to me is the greatest fear of those who wish that we stay oppressed, stay small. They don't want us to open our eyes and our hearts to who we are. They want to say we're protecting you from damage, but all they're doing is keeping us in a place of their holographic bubble. It's not my world. It's not who I am. It's not who you are. It's almost like saying thank you very much, but no thank you. I don't believe that the beings that I have a connection with, who you have a connection with, are out to harm us. So, as I say, I leave you with the idea of sitting quietly, sitting in a quietly, drawing those beings who you can call guides, angels, ETs, and say, I want to know who I am. I'm ready to explore my outer space. I welcome you. And if you come in a spaceship, if you have flashing lights, if you show me lights in the sky, fantastic. If I hear words that you speak into my ear during my dream state, fantastic. If I feel your presence, fantastic. If I see something out the corner of my eye that's movement, fantastic. And it's no different from the way that we connect with our guides or the elementals. We connect through love and an open heart and mind. And I send you much love and blessings to you all, my dear star beings. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on iHeartRadio. 
You can also watch the Archive Podcast on YouTube. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heartspeak. Speak.